And so I remember that for me was like a really, really pivotal story that shifted my mindset completely on what I'm doing. You are now tuned in to Misi Muse Unplugged, a podcast for go-getters on their journey to greatness. Unlock the secrets to your success through insights, inspiration, and education. Get ready to level up with your host, author and consultant, Christy Lindor. Hey, go-getters. Welcome to season two, episode three. Today, we are covering the language of success, which is a very important building block for any go-getter on their journey to greatness. On the agenda, I'll actually share a couple of ways that I've learned to use language as a means to help catapult my success. And also we've got Mark Metry in the house. He's our guest for today. He's uh, just a little bit about Mark. He's a speaker and the host of the Humans 2.0 podcast, which is actually one of the top 100 podcasts in the world. And in today's episode, he shares a bit about his journey and nuggets of wisdom that he's gotten from some famous guests that he's been able to connect with and how he views the correlation between language and success. So why don't we get started? I'll kind of kick off the conversation and talk about how I discovered the importance of language and the meaning that we put behind it when it comes to being successful. It was actually by accident, coquetters, that I began to uncover that potential. And it was a result of my circumstances, to be quite frank. I remember back in the day, I never really kind of correlated or thought about my language and the intent of using language as a mean of success. That just was not my worldview at that time. What many people don't realize is that before I became Christy the consultant, or the global speaker or the award-winning author, I came from very, very humble beginnings. Back in high school, I wasn't the greatest student academically and I was ill-prepared financially for for college. So I remember, I think, what is it? Maybe I was like 17-ish at the time. Around that time in my life, I got kicked out of school. I got kicked out of my first semester freshman year due to lack of financial aid, because again, I didn't have it all together. At that particular time, I'm first generation American. I became the first college grad of my family. But at that time I got kicked out and being kicked out, I was actually really super aggravated to be back home after getting kicked out because I didn't have enough financial aid to even get through a full first year of college. I ended up spiraling. And I got to a point, go-getters, I I actually ended up homeless, if you can believe it or not. I was homeless on the streets of Boston. And for anyone that's ever been homeless, you will understand when I say this, that my very existence at that time in my life wasn't about anything other than getting through the day. It became a day-by-day struggle that I was focused on. You know, I hear the term a lot these days, I hear the term working poor, and I know I've lived that. I've actually lived that. I would work during the day at one of many jobs I had at the time. They were all making minimum wage because I didn't really have a specific skill set. You know, I was just graduated from high school, no more than like three, four months into college, get kicked out, so don't have that much skills to begin with. So. I spent the time, it was kind of a a dichotomy of a day. Spend the day working, spend the night worrying about where I was gonna lay my head to get some rest. 
kind of did that for a couple months. I was kind of in this big influx. And then I hit one of the worst nights I ever had being homeless. I remember it was there was a huge snowstorm that hit Boston at that time and I couldn't find any of my friends or anyone that was willing to let me kind of crash at their house and I remember it was just with the weather being so bad people kind of you know, closing in for the day and I was like man I'm really about to spend the night on the streets and I remember it was so cold it was it was snowing it was so bad I got desperate uh, I remember I was at a bus stop and I decided to go into, there was a local police station that was right across the street. And I really came up with a story go-getter. It was kind of survival of the fittest. So I went into this local police station and I pretended that I was waiting for my parents to come pick me up because the police officers would be coming back and forth and asking me, do I need anything? And I'm like, no, there's a big storm outside. If they don't mind that I waited out until my parents can come pick me up except I knew in my heart there was no one coming to get me. There was no one coming to pick me up. And I knew that being in the police station was not only gonna be warm, but it was actually probably gonna be the safest place that I could be in that time of the hour. And I remember that was the rock bottom moment during my time of being homeless. So I was able to stay there and make it through the night to be able to go to work the next day. So I remember that night sitting on the bench while I watched the police officers go back and forth, some of them bringing in folks and checking people they arrested. And so I kind of watched the activities of the night. I think the reality of my situation really hit me hard that evening sitting on that bench all night sleeping. And I really kind of grew mad at myself. I grew mad at my situation. I was kind of at the height of my frustration and I remember I spent the whole night telling myself that that was the last night that I was ever going to be in this state of a predicament in my life. And then I told myself that night, one day, and I said one day soon, I didn't know how it was gonna happen in that particular moment, but I said I was gonna buy my own house and I was not only gonna buy my own house, I was gonna own multiple housings and that housing will never be an issue for me for the rest of my life. And I spent five or six hours, I kept repeating that language to myself over and over and over again. And I think I fell asleep to that and I woke up to that like mantra in my head. And I remember when I left the, the police station the next morning, I remember saying to myself, a miracle is gonna happen in my life starting today. And I didn't know how that was gonna happen, but again, I really believed it. And I started to speak that language. And I, that actually began the beginnings of me using language to create and manifest my reality. So every day ever since then, I woke up and said the words, a miracle will happen today. And for me, when I say a miracle will happen today, it reminds me back in that time, sitting on that bench in that police station, that cold night, you know, in the middle of a snowstorm in November, homeless on the streets of Boston. And every time I think about that moment, it gives me enough of a charge to really take charge and really think through whatever it is that I'm doing for the day or whatever challenges I'm facing, I know it cannot be as hard as that particular moment. And you know what, go together. sure enough, I started to see little changes take place in my life. And those changes then accumulated into big changes. So I still was homeless for another maybe three or four months after that. But by the time the spring came along, I had actually saved up enough money to rent a room and I moved into a rooming house 
across town with about 10 other people living in that rooming house. But a year later, again, I still continued to say that mantra. I still continued to remember what I had said that night to myself sitting in the police station. And a year after I was in the rooming house, I moved into an apartment with a roommate. And then two years after that, I actually ended up relocating. I was able to, to rent and afford my own apartment. And then a year after that, I actually ended up buying my first home at the age of 22. Two years after that, I began to, to buy investment property and I became a landlord at the age of 25. So 20 plus years later, the first house that I bought, I own it outright without a mortgage on it. And I have multiple properties that I own now. And that all manifested, I believe, that evening using language, really looking at how I viewed myself and how I viewed the world around me and how did I really create intentions and not only have the intentions, but saying them and believing them as well. So I share that story with you, go-getters, today. You know, two ways that I use language of success and I still use language of success each and every single day. But the first thing, number one, if you hear that story, I spoke my future into existence and I believed every single word that I spoke was going to happen. I didn't just say it and just, you know, like, yeah, maybe this will happen. I believed it and I spoke as if the future had already happened. And I find that either by speaking or even by writing, I call it life scripting. And I, I think I'm gonna have to find a link. There was a, a video I watched with a gentleman. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, forgive me. I think if you Google life scripting, you'll see it. But whether it's speaking it or writing it down, when you are looking to manifest a new way of being, a new breakthrough, or even enhancing your current breakthrough, being able to go that to that next level, you have to speak it as if it's already there. I have found. Write it as if it's already there. Visualize and really immerse yourself into it. So that's first and foremost when we're talking about the language of success. The second thing I'm gonna say about this is that I had a mantra. So for me, at that particular point in time, that mantra was a miracle is gonna happen today. So come up with a mantra or saying that really helps you embody or summarize whatever it is that you're looking to do in your life, help you be able to summarize it in your own everyday language so that you can internalize it. And that's what I did. Like whenever I say a miracle will happen today, I know it will happen. It can be a small miracle. It can be a big miracle, but a miracle will happen today because I spoke it into existence. And some people may hear these things and think, oh, that sounds like super cheesy, like, you know, the secret type stuff, but it actually does work go-getters I am a living testament that I went from being homeless at the age of 17 to owning my own home at the age of 22 and then being able to become a landlord at the age of 25 and I believe my language really helped catapult my success so develop a vocabulary of success that is meaningful to you that helps you bring your journey to greatness to life so with that, go-getters, we will actually be talking with Mark right after this break. Several years ago, I was passed over for a promotion at my job. Instead of wallowing in my circumstances, that evening I decided to redirect my energy using a forgiveness technique I had casually created over the years. What happened over the next 15 months was an absolute life-changing breakthrough. So I decided to put it to the test. I shared the technique with a couple of friends and they too began to see major shifts at work. That's when I decided to formalize my forgiveness model into a book. Hi, I'm Christy Lindor. 
I've discovered that forgiveness used as an applied strategic skill in the workplace can shift your career to the next level. You can explore this concept in my new book, Release. Use the power of forgiveness to get unstuck and thrive in your career. Order it now on Amazon or learn more at www.releasethebook.com. In the last segment, I shared how I learned, actually by accident, about the importance of the language of success. So here's a quick recap with the two tips that I shared with my story that I told you about going from being homeless at the age of 17 to becoming a homeowner at the age of 22. So number one, I spoke my future into existence and believed every word that I spoke will happen with unwavering faith. And I spoke as if the future was already here. So that's tip number one when it comes to language of success. Number two, Every day I had a mantra and for me, my mantra was a miracle is going to happen today. So I would recommend you come up with your own mantra or saying that helps you embody what it is that you're looking to manifest in your life into everyday language and really try to find ways to sometimes maybe fix some of the language that you may be using. So I know people may say, oh, don't use words like can't and shouldn't. I don't have hard and fast rules. I do believe though, you've got to think about making sure that the language that you're speaking is helping you manifest what you want to create and not what you don't want to create. Because I think we sometimes spend time go-getters speaking about what we don't want or what we don't want to happen as opposed to what we do want to happen. And I think creating the energy to focus on what it is that you want to continue to do or you wanna do in the future is important when it comes to language of success. So with that, let me introduce my next guest, Mark Metry. So Mark is a Forbes featured speaker. He has interviewed billionaires, New York Times bestselling authors, world-class human beings on his top 100 podcast, Humans 2.0 which is interesting because there was one time in Mark's life, he actually said he suffered from social anxiety due to health issues. And now he is really, really kicking the gears off with his journey to greatness. And he's just 22. So he is actually just getting started with what he's doing. He's actually done a lot of cool things in the past. Humans 2.0 podcast is just one of many things that he has done. Besides being a podcast host, he's also the founder of VU Dreams, which is a virtual reality, augment reality, marketing and advertising agency based out of Boston. So VU Dreams works with startups, studios, and other businesses to help customers imagine new future realities. I love that. Here's my interview with Mark on his incredible journey to greatness and his views on the language of success. Welcome to the Me See Muse Unplugged, Mark. How are you doing today? I am doing phenomenal, Christy. How are you? I'm actually really excited to have you on the show. So my first question for you, Mark, is if your life was a book, what words would you use to describe the current chapter title and why? The current chapter title of like what's going on right now, man. Yeah, I mean, this is funny because I'm actually in the middle of uh, writing a book right now, but it's not about my life or anything like that. So I guess the chapter title that I would put right now is Get Up. And what I mean by that is just like I'm experiencing now and as I've been interviewing all of these people and as I've grown in many, many ways over the years and as I continue to grow, I've really learned that I just got to keep on getting up. Like it doesn't matter 
what obstacle or what kind of minor or major setback is going on. I just got to get up. And I know if I continue doing that, I think that in and of itself will lead to a life of fulfillment. I mean, that's been the process for years. And so I think right now it is especially doing so just because working on a lot of things, I'm gaining a lot of professional success and I'm you know, really realizing that a lot of these concepts that I hear on the podcast, whether it's Seth Godin or Gretchen Rubin, or Patrick Beth David, I'm really seeing their concepts manifest and crystallize in front of my eyes as myself as a young person am getting out there and building that experience day by day. And I always just come back to just get back in it. And I think that's the process that I'm gonna honestly continue to follow because I think if you understand that sort of infinite cycle, then I think you sort of understand like it's not necessarily about the actual outward professional success that you're chasing because I tend to sort of be a much more uh, rooted in the mind and kind of spirituality and just realize all these things. It's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I, I would say it's get up. Get up. I love it. I love it. So I want to dive into the story of Humans 2.0. I'm actually really, really curious about the story. But before we touch on the podcast, would love to hear if share a pivotal story or two about moments of your life that's really shaped your journey. Yeah, I feel like I don't talk about this often, but this just comes to mind. So in 2015, 2016, I was probably going through a very transformative year in my life. It was where I was becoming conscious of a lot of things that I knew about myself. At this time, I was somebody who sort of just drove himself into a ditch in terms of various things. And, you know, I always sort of uh, endured social anxiety my whole life, but I had gotten to a spot where I just totally began to socially isolate myself. I began to binge eat myself into like a coma. I gained like a ton of weight in a very short amount of time. I was over 200 pounds. And I remember a real sort of life pivoting moment for me looking back at it now was that year, that summer, I ended up taking a trip to Egypt, which is where my parents immigrated from before they came to America, where I was born. And we went to Egypt, I got to see all my family, we got to see the pyramids, we got to see all those different things. And it was a really interesting time in the country because recently they had the Arab Spring, which was basically a series of countries in the Middle East began to revolt against their countries, largely because of the connectedness that people were given access to with social media. And so when that was, when social media began to emerge, so did all of these revolutions emerge as well of people just contacting each other and just realizing that their government was not treating them right. And so when I had visited, the revolution was over, but it was like literally just getting out of it. And I heard stories from my cousins and everyone know there of like some crazy stories of like people being murdered in front of them by terrorists like in the streets. And while I was there, I was just, I didn't really process it. But after I came back, I sort of came back from Egypt and I had sort of divided into my own life where I had really just taken responsibility for my life and ownership for really the first time. And I really began pursuing like a different life pattern than I had pursued ever before. And I remember as I was sort of doing this, 
And for anyone else who's on this journey, you know, you know, it's very fulfilling, but it can also be very hard at times. And I remember there was just this day where I was struggling and I ended up opening up Facebook or whatever it was to see the news. And I had seen like this monastery that I ended up visiting in Egypt ended up getting bombed by ISIS that same day, like a few months later on, or maybe it was like almost a year. And I remember I was like, man, I was literally standing there and now I'm seeing pictures of it online. There's blood everywhere. There's destruction. And I just began to think about like my own sort of purpose here. And I was like, wait, so my parents immigrated from a different country where I could have literally been a part of all the stuff that happened with the revolution. I could have been there when that bomb went off. And I just realized like there's still so many people around the world that don't have any of the opportunities that we have today growing up in America by a long shot. And I was just like, man, I've got to get out there in the world and actually begin to try to contribute, try my best to influence people and their behavior and their actions in the various forms that I do so today, like with business and podcasting. And so I remember that for me was like a really, really pivotal story that just shifted my mindset completely on like what I'm doing. Well, thank you for sharing that. That must have been pretty surreal to have just been somewhere and then see its demise like immediately after you've been. I I can't even imagine what that must have felt like because you could have been there. Right, definitely. And I think, I mean, I don't know, maybe I just overthought this too much, but I definitely just had like this overwhelming sense of definitely sadness. Like I, I can definitely remember crying, but it really just gave me perspective on sort of the bigger picture. And it just made me realize like, I'm over here in in America and despite the financial and the racial inequality that I've experienced, still nothing compared to people in different countries that are still alive today that have so many problems in front of them. And it's just like, for somebody that was a son of parents who grew up in Egypt, to me, it's just, you know, I gotta do something about this. And you know, depending on who you ask, a lot of people will tell you that a lot of these bigger terrorist organizations are really just like any kind of terrorism. It happens through a mixture of being brainwashed. It happens through being hopeless, through having an environment where there's really no kind of infrastructure that you see will take you into the future. And I think it's about addressing some of those things at both a mental level, but then also like a physical level with government and business and influencing thought. And it's just like, when that happened, it was super sad, but it was also like a little bit empowering in the same sense too. Yeah, have you been there? Have you been back since that happened? So I actually haven't, but I'm gonna be there in the next eight months. So six to eight months, I'll be there next year. So that will be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I I think it definitely will be interesting, that full circle moment to see this happen, the perspective it's given you, and then kind of the follow-up to that. I think that will be, it'll be pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what I love about life. (laughs) Well, well, let's let's shift gears. Um, Would love to hear really what compelled you to start Humans 2.0 podcast. So I started the Humans 2.0 podcast when, like I had said, I was sort of in this rough time in my life And I had just began this journey of self-improvement, self-discovery, entrepreneurship. But I I think I've always been an entrepreneur my entire life, starting businesses ever since I was like age seven. But for me, I ended up starting the podcast 
through the summer of 2017, maybe a little bit earlier. And I had been throughout this journey. It was pretty tough. And, you know, I just remember thinking like, how am I going to learn my way out of this situation? That's sort of like my go-to question that I always ask myself. Because I find that when you ask yourself that consistently, you can always create new solutions. You can always create new ways. And like you always find that the limitations are really just the way that you thought about them like in your mind. But I began to ask myself that question and I was like, hey, when I think back in my life, some of the greatest times, some of the most impactful moments was when I was having a conversation with somebody, whether it was a really smart person, a person that had great experience, a person that had communication skills that was able to sort of translate their expertise and their genius into tangible and like practical words for the person that's listening. Uh, And I think that's like a really rare skill set that even like the most genius people, I think, don't necessarily have. But the ones that do, they end up being known to the world as a genius because they're able to communicate that. And so I just began to think about that. And I was like, how am I going to actually create a system outside in the world that is going to be able to get me next to a ton of smart people. And I ended up thinking of a podcast, believe it or not, fun fact, (laughs) in 2012, I actually started a podcast way back when, when I was like a young kid, but it never really went anywhere. It wasn't about any of this kind of stuff. But, and so I definitely, I had that in my background. So I was like, I'm going to start a podcast to sort of create this mutually beneficial system network that, you know, I'm not just going to be some 20 year old. And I was 20 years old when I had started it, just reaching out to people and saying like, Hey, can I pick your brain or, you know, whatever people ask. And so I was like, if I could start this thing, I could maybe potentially offer somebody and say like, Hey, you know, you've got a book, like, you know, I have an audience, maybe, you know, we can get some people in my audience to buy your book or read it or whatever it is. And so that way, there's some kind of justification for spending that amount of time on the podcast. And as I began to keep at it, I realized at the beginning of 2018, there weren't many people taking it seriously. And I sort of saw that as my opportunity to rise. And I just hustled. And then eventually, end up being on like the world's top 100. And today I have the great fortune of talking to people that I would never expect to talk to, like professional athletes, people that I saw them in movies, people that I read their book when I was young, like just some crazy different things. And yeah, so that's the podcast. And that's why I ended up starting it. It came about through a moment of discomfort and not knowing what to do. Yeah. Well, what would you say has been your biggest lesson since you've started it and just kind of seeing how it skyrocketed? Yeah. So I think the biggest lesson just when it comes to like a personal basis is, you know, like I had said, I really, as a kid, struggled with social anxiety. I began to work my way at it, but I definitely think I still experience anxiety on a day-to-day basis. And I think the number one thing that I have overall learned from this is that everyone has their own crap. I've realized that everybody, including Olympian athletes to like the best of the best business tycoons have their own stuff. And I think when you realize that and become aware of that, it makes you not as shameful and not as pushed to sort of hide your own fears and failures and insecurities. Because I think when people 
tried to live life without not admitting those, I think they often end up not living their own life and they end up putting up like some sort of a artificial shallow facade to the world. And through doing this podcast and getting in contact with these people and being in rooms with them, I've really realized that everybody, even all of them today, they all still have their own crap. And I think when somebody realizes that, it's very, very empowering. You're listening to the Meesey Muse Unplugged Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. What if you can finally launch your own consulting business that gives you the confidence to go after any targeted client and build a profitable business, regardless of your educational background or knowledge? What if you can finally learn how to package your expertise you spent years building into a profitable offering and then wake up every day making a difference with clients that truly value what you can bring to the table as a credible business consultant? Here's the secret, you can. Introducing the Purpose Driven Consultant School. It's an online training and mentoring program designed to help ambitious women and diverse professionals become world-class consultants doing work they love with people they like. Courses are taught by me, Christy Lindor. I come with over 18 plus years of experience working for some of the world's most prestigious management consulting firms. Check us out. We're now enrolling. We have a couple courses coming up on really how to start your business. We kick off our program with a six-week boot camp called Consulting Like a Boss. You can learn more at www.purposedrivenconsultant.com. One question that I'm interested in asking, just because I know you've been doing this for quite some time, do you have any like unknown rules or like etiquettes that you would share for someone that is starting a podcast or even being a guest on a show? Any unwritten rules that, you know, is not really out there or even pet peeves, let's just say. I think what I've learned in, in my time and just some things that stick out to me is knowing the guest is super important beforehand. You definitely don't want to get any facts wrong during the interview, not because of your appearance as the host, but just like that doesn't really make for a good interview. And depending on who you're interviewing, a lot of people that I interview now, they get interviewed by um, Forbes, CNN, BBC. And the question that I always ask myself is like, what separates my podcast interview versus like a mainstream quote unquote official interview. And every time I think about it, it always comes down to actual context and deep understanding of that person, because I think then you're able to ask really catalytic questions that are able to provoke a spark or a response in the guest that may make for an interview that has either never been done before or in general is just really impactful. It's funny, like right before this podcast, I was on a meeting with somebody else who has been a guest on my podcast and they were telling me that they ended up just today waking up to like their LinkedIn and like their email and getting like six different messages of people who listened to our episode on my podcast, the Humans 2.0 podcast, saying on how they were like, super touched by it and one of them ended up saying like my cousin sent me this that i haven't talked to in like six months and like some other crazy things 
And I don't think that would have happened if I just sort of went into the interview and I didn't do my research and I didn't have a real understanding of not just what that person has gone through, but the intention that I want to convey onto my guest. And so another thing that I've learned over the years is, and I learned this from Lewis Howes, who hosts the School of Greatness podcast. I picked this up from him and I love it. And it's before every time I, you know, I start an interview, I always ask my guests, what would make this interview super powerful so that anybody in my audience that's listening is just totally transformed and they want to share it with a family member. They want to put it up on social media. But in your mind, is there anything that would make that possible? And sometimes they have a specific answer. Like they're like, yeah, I've been talking about this and I've gotten really great response. And like, if we would love it, if we could talk about this, sometimes they don't have a straight up answer. And it's just more or less like based on the intention saying like, yeah, well, who is your audience? Like, do you think this thing and kind of making it more interactive? But I find if you can get that combination or or protocol, I guess, with your guest at the beginning and even before the interview starts. Yeah, no, it's helpful advice. What about guests? Any pet peeves of of guests people should consider if they're going to be on a a podcast show? I think what I usually recommend, I tell them to listen to, to at least one of the podcast episodes beforehand, just so you can get an idea and you can get more comfortable with what the show is gonna be about, regardless if that person has sent you any pre-show material or not. And then also what I would say is like, I think it's a good idea to ask the hosts themselves, like a little about themselves. Like, why are they doing this? Like, why are you spending your life interviewing people? Like, what's the main mission here? And I find that if you can do that, it can make you much more comfortable because I've definitely made the mistake of not doing that and my guests sort of coming on and they're just sort of talking into a computer and we don't really know each other. And I'm just sort of like this speaker or a voice on their headphones, just sort of asking them questions. And I, and like the answers they give to that, it is very, very much relative towards their understanding of you and your audience. Well said, well said. What's, what's next for humans 2.0? I mean, it goes back to actually the first question that you asked me and I mentioned, I have that book, that I'm working on. So right now I'm working on this book called Humans 2.0, Create Your Own Mindset. And the main philosophy behind it is, Chris, do you ever remember those books from like a long time ago? I remember seeing them as kids where they would be like these adventure books where you would get to a point in the story and then you'd flip to a page number to decide and make a decision or to the other page number. Do you remember those? I feel like I've seen movies like that where you you kind of decide which way to go. I don't think I've seen it in books though. I think that's before my time. (laughs) I read a ton of those when I was a kid, but basically what I want to do is I want to take that similar model and I want to bring that and sort of like the mindset, fulfillment, psychology, life, all the things that I talk about on my show. I want to bring it in sort of that book create your own mindset kind of guide 
where somebody can rather than just check out like 400 episodes of the podcast and the experts that I've gotten from various fields, rather than just having them listen to all of them, open up and sort of create this book as a guide to follow a similar format of not everyone is the same. Not everybody learns in the same format. Not everyone's mindset is going to be the same. Not everyone's values and truths are going to be the same. But my hope here with this book is to, as they go on, begin to highlight these different pivotal tools and topics that this person should learn if they made this choice in the book that's backed up by a ton of the experts and leaders that I've had on my show. And so that's something that I'm working on. That's a long-term project of mine. And sort of other thing that I have going on, I plan to launch this by the end of the year. But I actually want to create a Humans 2.0 event series where I can begin to get people in the door that have maybe listened to a podcast or know of it. And I want to begin to start to do these interviews on like a live stage and bring in speakers and bring in maybe people that I've had on the podcast that really embody the brand and really embody the whole movement of Humans 2.0 and really make it sort of a educational, valuable environment where people can go and learn. And after, ask the podcast guests that I've had on that, are, that will be speakers, different questions, ask me, really just engage with people. And so those two things come to mind when it comes to the future. That sounds pretty exciting. When you, <laughs> you launch the book, I hope I am on your book tour. I'd love to you know, have you come back and talk a little bit about the book and your journey. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And the live event. I see a lot of, you know, the the bigger podcast shows really mm. kind of trending towards live events. And I think it's fabulous to see that podcasting in general as a medium is evolving and mm. maturing in a way to now where there are these new channels to go with it. I don't even think it's gotten close to started yet. And I think this is just the beginning yeah, I mean, it's a really crazy time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now available on Amazon. Management consultant and author Christy Lindor shares career secrets based on 15 years of experience working at top firms in a new book called The Misi Muse. A hundred plus selected practices, unwritten rules and habits of great consultants. The Misi Muse provides insights, stories, and strategies on the unwritten rules of the consulting profession. Christie conducted research and connected with 50-plus industry titans across 27 professional service organizations on what makes a great consultant. For book reviews, tour dates, and more info, go to www.misimuse.us. I mentioned at the beginning of this this episode, you know, you're you're part of the season two, which is where I've dubbed the science of success. So I've got a question that's kind of related to that theme. Do you believe that there is a language pattern to success? If not, why? And if so, how would you describe it? Yeah. So the immediately the first thing that comes to mind is something that I learned from the founder of Bulletproof Coffee, the butter coffee that everybody drinks, Dave Asprey. And he came on my show and we talked about these certain words that basically from the time that we are born and we're conditioned to society, 
we're basically taught that these words have real sort of things. And there's this great quote, I'm blanking on who said it, but it's, the world is made of words. And if you know the words that the world is made of, you can make of it whatever you wish. And I think when you think about it in those terms and you really begin to understand that the fastest form of communication that our brain and our mind has to us are emotions. And those emotions are then tiled over with language, with words. And so they're very much intertwined hand by hand. And so when I was talking to Dave Asprey, founder of Bulletproof, he told me that there's like a handful of words that people use all day they don't know and yet they make you weak and for everyone who doesn't know like dave asprey and bulletproof like they are on the cutting edge of hacking biology and science and everything that has to do that but yet they talk about these words and it made me dig into a little bit deeper the first word that they talk about is need and they say that, especially parents, they do this all the time, like to, to their kids, like, oh, you need to wear this, you need to do that. The truth is you don't need anything. And when you tell the primitive part of your mind, the unintelligent animal inside of your head that you need something, and the reality is that you just want it, you end up turning that desire into a straight up survival issue for the primitive side of your brain to deal with. And so I've been experimenting with this. You know, obviously it's a little bit hard for me to tell because placebo, but I have definitely seen just a massive decrease in my discomfort uh, and like sort of existential angst that I feel on a day-to-day -day basis. Another word is can't. This one is more well known. It's just to the conscious and, and unconscious part of your brain in terms of creating limitations. And, you know, when you say can't, it's often because there are other alternatives that people just don't want to take. Like, oh, you can't do this. Oh, well, you can actually do this, but it's just because this person is too lazy to do it or they don't have a plan or they don't see how it's, it's, how it's going to happen. And so we're oftentimes conditioned into saying these words with these really deep meanings from a kid. And like some other words that I remember are bad and then also try. And it's like, don't try, just do it. And I think when you can lead with those four words specifically for me have just been an example of what I have been trying to work with when it comes to language and success. And, you know, another thing I'll say to you is um, a friend of mine, Billy Allsbrooks, he says that if you spend like five minutes on conversation with somebody based on the words that they use, based on the language, you can like immediately know what that person is about and where they're going in the future, whether they are gonna continue growing or whether they are just sort of static and stuck there in life. And so I think language is a massive, massive part of success for sure. Love it, love it. And go-getters, we'll go ahead and put out the links to some of the episodes that Mark has mentioned. We'll put those out there for you. So thank you for that. I actually like how you kind of described it and really went into an interesting perspective on language. I personally agree with you. I definitely believe in language pattern being one of the major ways to really manifest success in your life. 
Is there any other words that you personally use or intentionally don't use that we didn't kind of cover? Yeah, well, I don't know about words, but like certain phrases, for example. For example, like people ask themselves, why is this happening to me? Rather than shifting that to what can I learn from this? What is this trying to teach me? Another one is people saying like, oh, why does this have to be so hard? Or why does this have to be so difficult? And then you just have to like stop and reframe and be like, wait, what if I am actually creating more difficulty by saying that and creating resistance in between the task versus actually just doing it? Because we all know that we suffer much more in our minds than, than actual real life. And then another one is today, for example, it's just not my day. And another follow-up question or a reframing is you would just ask yourself, what would it feel like to just like accept what has already happened rather than doubting yourself and playing around with the past that you can't really change. And then like another one is just when I think too much about the past and I maybe get a little bit depressed or sad, I just think back and I'm like, I can't change anything about that. I can't change what happened to me yesterday or the day before, but I can change the next minute, hour, day, month, year, if I actually put my foot down and work. Yeah, I think those are all of the... Uh, like the words and phrases that come to mind. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Any just last thoughts you want to share with the listeners? And you've really given us some really good nuggets, but just any yeah. last thoughts that you didn't talk about? Something that I always love talking about is just uh, physiology. Like in sort of like the business entrepreneurship world, physiology gets ignored. Proper sleep, hydration, limiting caffeine and definitely alcohol, eating healthy, not being on the go all the time and going from like cafe to cafe, eating food that is not going to serve you and your mission. And so I feel like another commonality that I've really observed on the podcast of like the people that are holistically, truthfully successful, they take care of their physiology a lot, whether it's exercising, whether it's not eating any kind of junk food at all. I think that is super, super important, especially as we emerge here and we're really entering like from the industrial revolution into this modern world where we're not getting access to a lot of foods and chemicals that our body was just never meant to deal with. And I feel like if you can respect your vessel, because I mean, it's the only one you've got and it'll actually take your mind much farther to go. And science tells us anything, stronger body equals stronger mind. And it definitely works both ways, but that can be a good in to get to your health. For me, when I look back at my biggest transformational moment, it had nothing to do with mindset or self-development. I didn't even know what those words meant, but it all started because I was obese and I was like, how do I lose weight? How do I fix this problem? And eventually that led me to getting healthy and gaining more energy, which led me to being more focused, which really was able to take me to be more present, to actually become aware of what my purpose is in life. And so I think physiology, especially today in this age, is massive that I feel like not a lot of people outside of the whole health and wellness industry talk about. Right. And it's, I couldn't agree more. I feel like you've covered all the questions I had. Oh, one last question. I always ask all my guests, what is a fun fact about you that someone cannot Google? Ooh, the second YouTube channel that I created when I was like just a youngin running around, I think I was like 12, was Hum Dumb Swag. <laughs> <laughs> 
What did that mean? <laughs> I literally have no idea. I think I just had a fascination <laughs> with the word swag for some, I didn't I don't even think I knew what it meant. And I just I was just trying to find like words to rhyme. So I was like, calm down swag. So, <laughs> so that's a that's a little fun fact about me. That's nowhere on, on Google, but there you go. <laughs> He's like, I buried that up until, up until <laughs> that's so funny. Well, it was a pleasure to have you, um, Mark. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your thoughts and, and your journey. How can people find you? Yeah, I mean, if you just go to my website, Mark Metry, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, Humans 2.0, I think that is a pretty good spot to check out what I've got going on. Awesome. Thanks for joining us on the MeSee Muse Unplugged. That concludes today's show. I want to thank my guests for being with us today. And thank you, my go-getters, for tuning in. There are hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there. And I'm so glad that you've chosen the Misi Muse Unplugged to connect with. So make sure you check out uh, today's show notes. You can go to www.misimuse.com uh, for more information. You, please feel free to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends, and rate it. Until next time, here's to your journey to greatness. Tune in for new episodes every Monday to kick off your week of greatness. Visit us online at MeeseeMuse.com for more information. Don't forget to follow MeeseeMuse on all socials to stay tuned in for upcoming episodes and news from Christy Lindor.